What's up? It's Andrea. Today, Jordy does not know how to clear his holodeck search history. Charisse teaches us how to raise butterflies, and we ask the question, why doesn't Jordy just own his mistakes? Ugh! Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Charisse. I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, today we're talking Season 4, Episode 16, Galaxy's Child. This episode was written by Thomas Cartosian and directed by Weinrich Colby. LaForge finds out that a scientist is hardly what he imagined her to be. Meanwhile, they must work together to save the child of a space-born alien that the Enterprise has accidentally killed. Good God. Yeah, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. The so, alien, yeah, we've got aliens out here getting murdered. It's yeah, just a whole that was thing. actually that was actually really sad. And I think I would have it liked was. a bit more of that storyline in this, just because I thought it was so interesting. And we're going to talk about it in a mm-hmm. second, but I just thought like this is just such an interesting idea. I would have loved to just dive into it a little bit deeper. It was yeah. it was very much just like um, you know how like an ice cream cone is just like an edible spoon for the ice cream. That's what I felt like yeah. this was. This this storyline was just kind of like, uh, let's just throw the Enterprise into some kind of shenanigans so that Leah Brahms and Jordy can interact. And I wanted more of that, honestly. <laughs> First of all, I have never, two things, I have never heard of an ice cream cone being an edible spoon. I have like never heard it put that way. Mm-hmm. And it's totally right. And number two, I now must go get some ice cream. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Anytime friend. So my initial thoughts for this episode was, Ooh, this is the Leah Brahms episode part two. Finally, which I totally, you and I talked about this in Leah Brahms episode part one back in like season two, where I thought God only knows. Yeah. I thought this episode came like back to back with that episode. And it turns out it's multiple seasons later. Yes. Okay. So much so that listeners, when Sharice and I were talking about the episodes coming up and we always kind of game plan, like when we're going to record and whatever, um, I said, okay, we're going to record galaxy's child. Which one is that again? And Sharice is like, that's the one with Leah Brahms and that like baby that's kind of sucking on the enterprise. And you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And then a week later I was like, which one's this one again? She's like, remember the Leah Brahms one and the the baby keeps like suckling energy off the enterprise. And I was like, Oh yeah. And then like two days ago, I was like, galaxy's child doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> I could not remember this. So you were not like, excited about this episode. You were, you were well, nothing about this episode. I was very nothing about this episode. That's mm-hmm. right. And whenever you said Leah Brahms comes back, I was like, oh, that's right. Ooh, there's that super cringy moment we're going to talk about, but then I would forget about it. So next week I'm going to be like galaxy's child. Did we review that one? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. <laughs> I think it's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know how I always say like, this is my favorite episode not my favorite like I think it's a great episode but it's just clearly not super memorable and that's okay no (laughs) it's really like one scene from this whole episode that's memorable and then the rest is kind of a throwaway I actually forgot about the space baby completely it just like the first Leah Brahms episode I forgot completely what trouble the Enterprise was in that caused Geordi to recreate her in the holodeck in the first place I can't even remember it now do you remember I do because they said it in this episode. <laughs> Otherwise, no, there was some, oh. they were trapped in like a, it was like a mine, like a booby trap thing in some asteroid belt where they couldn't get out. And it was like draining all their power. Oh yeah. 
and they had to figure out a way to like ricochet out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it rings a bell, but like a very, very far away bell that I can hardly hear. Yeah, like <laughs> a like, cow yeah, bell. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two pastures away. Yeah. Yeah, not a very strong bell. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's just jump right in. So Picard calls Jordy. Are you good? <laughs> it rings a cowbell. That was great. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it more, but cowbells are loud and big. Like this one rings like a teeny tiny cat bell, but like two <laughs> doors down. So you can't really hear it. Anyway, what kind of bell does it ring for you, Sharice? Okay. <laughs> so Picard calls Jordy to his ready room and he's like, somebody's coming aboard to take a look at the engines and all the like modifications that you've made. And he's like, really? And he's like, yes, Dr. Leah Brahms, the architect of like the prototype engine. Mm-hmm, the designer. And Jordy was like, yes, he was like, Leah. <laughs> Ooh. And Picard's like, are you like good? That? It was so awkward. Like, yeah, it's like he forgot like, that he was in front of his captain in the ready room, and he thought he was like a teenager in his bedroom he at sixteen. Started, he, pr- he practically started writing Jordy Brahms on his notebook, like <laughs> over and over again. Stars, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Picard is like, "You good? You good over there?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm good." <laughs> like I'm he was great. Just, Never been better. I'm oh, good righty. now. Yeah. <laughs> Picard's like, "That'll be all." Uh, dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> take that somewhere else. So, so what does Jordy do? Well, he does take it somewhere else. He, he sure takes does. it right to 10 forward where he starts picking at his uniform and making sure there's no space lint on it or anything. And preening. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is actually kind of sure adorable. Does. And I and I am a Jordy fan. And I do, you know, wish him success in love, which he never gets. But in this scene, I was like, this is actually kind of cute to see a grown man be kind of nervous about a date although this isn't a date and there's it's no reason to be nervous she doesn't right know now about. yeah and exactly haven't we all been on those dates that oh yeah we didn't think sure. were dates but he's like oh this is a date and you're like oh god damn it i'm in this situation again yeah <laughs> that's not where i thought you were gonna go with that but um <laughs> no sure I've sure lots multiple... of us have been in that situation i guess <laughs> yeah i've had multiple hangouts that he whoever he was like mm-hmm. thought it was the date and i was like oh time to go Anyway, <laughs> so this, this is what George is creating. Yes. So he goes to talk to Guinan and we get to see Guinan again, who's just the best, just the best. And yes. Jordy explains to Guinan why he's so excited right now and kind of like, you know, a giggling teenager. And mm-hmm. Guinan is just looking at him with the hardest side eye with a healthy mm-hmm. dose of skepticism. And it's just yep. like, Jordy, it, we all have fallen for fantasies at one time or another. And he's just like, no, no, no. Don't, doesn't matter who, like, I don't want to hear the rest of this because I'm telling you, she's amazing. It's going to be amazing. We're going to be amazing. She's and not, great. she's not a fantasy. The computer made her out of her Starfleet records. She's not a fantasy, Guinan. And Guinan's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay, all right. You know, she does that. All right. That none yeah. of us ever want to hear, but it's very, it's very true. So hard to be Guinan because she really helps people kind of come to their own conclusions and I'm like the opposite of that in so many ways. I'll just tell people like it is because I don't want them to kind of fall off a cliff. I want to be like, there's a cliff in front of you. Don't keep going. Yeah. You know, stop. I do that too. Um, I do that too. And it blows up in my face a lot. <laughs> yeah. People like to like to make their own decisions in their lives, but it's so hard to just, just watch it happen. And Guinan, she's just like, she's totally fine with it. She's like, mm-hmm, okay, have fun on your date, you know? And I'm just like, yeah. no, tell her. Tell him, Guinan, that this is all wrong. It's a bad idea. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. But he that's... was not trying to hear her anyway. So she was very wisely did the right thing, of course. Yeah. And just kind of was like, I'll be here with a nice 
warm cocoa for when mm-hmm. you come in with a broken heart. So Dr. Brahms beams aboard. And I have a question. Why do people always beam onto the enterprise looking directly at the greeting party? Like, doesn't matter which way you're standing, mm-hmm. you could be upside down or lying down when you get beamed up. But when you arrive, you're standing and you're looking right at Captain Picard mm-hmm. or Riker or or Jordy in this case. And I was like, do people get turned around during transport? Probably. It's work? probably like the flu network in Harry Potter. You just you come out in a different way than when you went in, but you always come out a certain way. I would bet that that's exactly how the pattern buffers work is they always align people so that their eyes are facing front, assuming they have eyes. I guess. Question mark. I think we only, I think we only had one instance where somebody like for comedic effect beamed in looking at the back wall and maybe was it Scotty? Maybe it was Scotty when he came in in, in like um, that episode where they, they mm-hmm. found With him the in the sphere in a couple, yeah, exactly. in a couple seasons. Mm-hmm. In a couple seasons, which that episode is amazing. But mm-hmm. yes, he kind of, I think it's him that he beams in sort of backwards and like turns around. He's like, oh, or maybe it was up the long ladder. I don't know. It was something for comedic effect. But for the most part, mm-hmm. they all beam in looking right at yeah. you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But anyway. never thought about that. Never thought about that. But she beams in. She's facing forward. She's looking at Jordy. And Jordy's just got stars in his eyes. And he's like, Leah, I mean, Hi. Dr. Brahms, I mean, wow, you're really pretty. He doesn't say that, but he says it with his eyes. Uh, and she's just like, oh, so you're the one who's been messing up my ship and storms off. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, that wasn't the warmest greeting of ever, but you know what? <laughs> Jordy is undeterred. So while part of me was like, that was super rude. Jordy's not offended at all because he's madly in love with the fantasy hologram yeah. of this woman. So she yes. could just do anything at this point. And he's just going to be like, that's okay. I understand. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like if you know that the real Dr. Brahms is coming over, maybe delete the holodeck program where she is like telling you to make love to the engines and shit. Like, maybe <laughs> just get rid of that. You know, like clear your Google search, buddy. Or put a lock on it, you know? Clear, Some kind like, of security clear browsing feature. history. Something. Like, yeah, this is, ugh, no, it's just very like, come on, buddy. <laughs> so yeah, she's super unhappy with all of Jordy's adjustments. I did catch that they rode together in that little uppy downy elevator thing that they yeah. have in, in main engineering, which yeah. I love. The like miners wanted, shaft elevator. Yeah, I've always wanted to ride in that. So he's getting pretty defensive about her being like an asshole. And I think rightly so, like she's yeah. being a dick. She really and this is. is something for no reason. This is something, this is something that I've noticed in very, very, very like, academically minded people where they Mm -hmm. kind of lose all their filters. And I am guilty of that as well from time to time. But like, you kind of need to read the room be like, you're sort of being a dick. Like you're, maybe you're not wrong. Like you're irritated that Jordy's making all these adjustments, but you're just being an asshole. Like that's not okay. Um, by the way, we do learn that Jordy has an office, which we never ever wrote that down in my notes. I was like, what? When he's like, you can take the call in my office. I was like, office. Where is his what office? office? Since when no, does he have an that, office? That giant, the giant table in engineering is his office. What are yeah. you talking about, Jordan? And then we didn't see the office. And I was like, duh, because yeah. I don't remember. First of all, I don't remember him ever having an office. But secondly, yes. I don't, certainly don't remember seeing him anywhere besides this space that you could mm-hmm. call his office. So now I'm curious to see if we're ever going to actually see this set piece. Because, you know, every once in a while we get some random like that gift shop we saw or the barber shop or just like the gift shop. These, That's you right. remember that we just see like random oh, yeah. parts of the ship where we're like, Oh my gosh, how long has that been there? Yes, like, I yes. want, I want to see his office, even though it's just a room. 
Um, I totally want to see it. <laughs> I imagine it would look a lot like Dinan's office, which is another person who probably doesn't need an office, but all right. But okay. Although I feel like the main engineer does actually need an office. I like, think he does. I don't think she does. I don't know what she I don't think. I don't, I don't think she needs an office at all, but I think that he really does. Like you're the chief engineer of the flagship of the yeah. Federation. You probably need some sort of little cubby to stick all your papers and yeah. your pads and or your just whatever. Or to sit quietly and strategize without people asking you questions. Yes. Now on the bridge, data detects an abnormal field of energy in the alpha Omicron sector, and they head over to investigate. And it's some sort of shape that Mm -hmm. is emitting this high frequency radiation. Mm -hmm. And Picard is like an unknown thing. Is it a ship? No. Is it alive? Possibly. He's like, (gasps) you know, new life form new life form he he's slapping on his indiana jones hat and he's zipping over to investigate he's like we're explorers like mm-hmm. he, just, he had like a little magnifying glass with him yep, yep. <laughs> totally now it turns out so there's a little bit of jumping back and forth and mm-hmm. maybe we should just alpha and beta this storyline but they head over and they find that it's actually a living thing and it starts to kind of emit this like radiation right wait I yeah, it jumped ahead like a lot. Yeah, but that's okay. I, I I like the A plot B plot idea because the the space slug is not that long of a storyline, and yeah. neither is really the Leah Brom situation. But what I love about this alien creature they find is everything. It looks so cool. It looks so yes. cool, and it's just like floating around in space, and it actually looks a lot like this parasite called Trichomonas. Um, mm-hmm. and it, that parasite causes an STD. So don't look up the symptoms, but you can definitely Google trichomonas to look at the organism. It looks just <laughs> like that. It's just very cool. It's got the little, you know, that little rim around it that yes. inside a fluid would help it to, to float inside of, to swim. Inside yes. Of fluid. Yes. Um, I don't know what exactly it helps do in space, but it looks so cool. And so what I are did, you, do you have I thoughts did, about what it might do? Um, no, it's so in fluid, it kind of beats like cilia and it helps it move, but in space, not really sure. But I do love that the design crew really pulled from nature to mm-hmm. kind of create this alien look. I did see that, um, there was some groundbreaking work, um, in this episode on the space slug because they used a combination of, um, clay mm. and cgi oh. and when i hear of clay plus cgi i always think of like those weird parasites in the neck of like it yeah. at the you know yeah. in the conspiracy episode or whatever yes. where you're like mm-hmm. oh god yeah those are um, disgusting they were so gross but yeah so they use this like clay and cgi combination to like make the mother and then subsequently like the child that kind of attaches to the enterprise i thought it was really yeah. cool was i could creative. totally see that because it did look like it was kind of made out of clay because it was solid it was thick it had mm-hmm. very distinct shapes and markings, but then also it had that yeah. like glow effect where it was glowing different colors. And that's probably where the CGI came in. Um, but it just looked really cool. Like kudos to the team for designing such a creature. I thought it was amazing. And I would have loved to see more about this creature. But anyways, the Enterprise is getting close. Like, wait, is this alive? Like what's going on? And kind of instantly the space slug attacks it with lightning. And they're like, oh crap. And the ship is like, Chirum! and it's just being yes. drained. And they're like, break free run away run away anything yes. shield something and it's just like they have well, no defense here's something interesting after this life form zaps the enterprise with a level of lightning that like sith lords would be jealous about mm-hmm. um they try to get out of there and jordy says there's too much interference to form a warp field and i'm like what this sort of sounds 
It sounds like a variation of things that have been thrown about on the enterprise, but I've never heard of too much interference to form a warp field. Like, where is the interference? Where mm. does the warp field need to be formed? Is it in like the warp coil? Like what this yeah. to me was like, that was a new one for me. Well, I think we've heard something similar, not with the warp field, but the radiation, the, the the space slug was putting out high levels of radiation. In fact, lethal levels to where they only had like two minutes of life before they all died from all this radiation. And we've heard before from ionic radiation on one of these planets. I think it was the one where Jordy and the Romulan were trapped in the cave or whatever. They couldn't beam people out or in. Like yes. they had trouble with the transporters, which that is, that comes up time and time again, when there's too much yes. radiation and interference, they can't beam. So yeah. I kind of buy it. Like there's a lot of radiation, so we can't do something. How, why can't they do it? How can, I don't really know. And they didn't yes. even need warp. They were trying to get out with like impulse. Yeah. Can't but, you just use impulse to like back away? Yeah. But apparently not. Apparently they couldn't do anything and all, and they were about to die from lethal levels of exposure within seconds. So I was really surprised that when they first saw the creature from a distance, that Worf wasn't like, shoot it. I was like, wow, okay, Worf has changed. And then as soon as it zaps them, he's like, shoot it. And I was like, oh no, yep. he's, we're, we got him. It's still Worf, it's Worf. At this point, he yes. has to shoot him because they have no, they have to shoot this creature because they have, they, it's like it or them. And yeah. I'm sure that there are levels of phaser fire, just like there are levels from, you know, their handheld phasers, but whatever level they used, like instantly they, they, kill the Picard, creature. Picard did say minimum warp, or uh, he said um, phasers on minimum. And they do kind of sort of shoot like a warning shot at this creature and it immediately dies. And it's and so sad, right? Like that really was it sad is super to me watching sad. that. Yes. Well, and Dana is like reading out like, Mm, you know, energy and um, outputs from it. Yeah. Energy output is fluctuating. It's unstable. Like it's hardly detectable. And then the creature is dead. Mm -hmm. And I was like, (gasps) and then did you notice that Riker does this like turn to look at Picard, like classic nineties TV disappointed face. He kind of does one of these. like. (laughs) I did not know. And I was like, wow, that is like peak nineties TV. And then (laughs) Picard is just stunned. And I feel so bad for him because he says, we're out here to explore, to make contact with other life forms, to establish a peaceful relations, but not to interfere and absolutely not to destroy. And yet look at what we have just done. And I was yeah. like, oh, was so hard. And Troy was just like, you couldn't have done anything differently. You couldn't have made a different choice, which is absolutely true. It's it, totally they, true. They were trying to defend themselves. They used the least amount of power possible, but they mm-hmm. didn't know that the tiniest bit of phaser fire was going to completely, utterly destroy this creature yes. and that's Ugh. kind of another thing now that we're talking about it that it's one of those it's one of those things that you just kind of miss when interacting with alien creatures on different planets and stuff they're always using mm-hmm. their phasers to stun things yeah who's to say that stun might not kill we've seen the opposite yes. where stun doesn't do anything and they said yep. to like kill and it doesn't do anything and they said it to mm-hmm. super kill before they it set it to microwaves and then yeah. it kills yeah they said to level 64 and then finally it kills them <laughs> But we haven't seen the opposite where the tiniest little stun from a handheld phaser leads to instant mm-hmm. death. But why not? Right. Alien creatures yes. in physiology are different from what they've encountered or should be. And this is kind of the first time we see that where a little bit of power does a lot of damage. It was really sad. Yes. But, yes. But kind of a short lived sadness, because as you're seeing the creature kind of just lose all its color and just kind of is laying there in space. Yes. Which another thing I'm thinking about is if this was the ocean it would be digested by bacteria and recycled mm-hmm. into the mm-hmm. world. 
So this is space. It's, so we're just going to have this big space carcass laying around. It's actually called, there's a term for that in marine biology. Ha ha, I get to use my degree. Um, mm-hmm. So when larger animals, when small animals die in the ocean, they usually get eaten very quickly and that's that. But when larger things die or they die in sort of um, a pelagic setting where pelagic is open ocean and it's sort of known as a desert, there's really not a lot of nutrients and stuff, not a ton of life like in the deep, you know, in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. Um, they The bodies tend to very slowly fall to the ocean floor and it goes deep, deep, deep and pieces that start to kind of decompose and fall off this being this creature. Mm-hmm. And so it call, it's called Marine snow. So if you see like deep, 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 um, sub like submarine journey, you know, like the James Cameron going to the bottom of the ocean kind of thing, it mm-hmm. looks like it's snowing all the time because it's just collective, you know, dead matter, just matter. Sort of, yeah, just snowing down. Nice. And actually at the bottom, um, that's actually a lot of life at the bottom because all that snow falls down to the bottom. And then you've got scavengers who are just picking all that up and cleaning it up. And it's actually like extremely useful and mm-hmm. a very like efficient way of having sort of the food chain all sort of mm-hmm. taken care of. Cause there's predators and then there's scavengers right. and there's, you know, herbivores or whatever. Right. Um, so we get a yeah, life. So we get in, a nice space, circle of life there. Yeah. In space. Like what could you we do? We don't there's have nothing. any of that as far as yeah. we know. So yeah. I think just that big floating, body would probably freeze over and become a comet at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I imagine so. Yeah. Anyways, I just had that thought where I was like, oh, there's this big, like kind of whale, like corpse. That's just going to yes. be there forever, which is yes. They can come back 20 years and that whale corpse will be perfectly preserved right there. It would be just like that. Oof. But where there is sadness, there's also new hope because the enterprise finds that there is a little space slug wiggling around inside the big space slug and they're like oh, it's a baby oh my god it's like that's why it attacked us with lightning it was just it was about to get birth and it was just trying to protect its offspring and you're like yes oh yeah. and i love that dr crusher comes up with the idea of doing the cesarean section to use the phaser as a scalpel and just kind of slice a little bit of the the mother's body to allow a space for the baby to wiggle out mm-hmm. And, um, I, I did think that that was a great idea. It was like, what else could you do? You it know, was very first, it was cool on so many levels. It was cool that they thought of it. It was cool that they showed them doing it. It was cool that they showed the baby coming out and it was cool how they described it too, because she was saying, you know, it's clear that the baby's immature because if it was mature, it'd be able to leave the Break body out. by yeah. itself. And I just, I had this picture in my head of like a, a butterfly, right? Like coming out mm-hmm. of the chrysalis that it's like, if they, when I was a kid, when I was in. I think kindergarten or first grade, we all grew butterflies in little mason jars. Yeah. And at oh. one point, I know, but mine died, but it would have been great if it oh. would have grown. Um, but at one point the butterfly starts to break out of its chrysalis. And mm. for those people who had living butterflies at that point, um, it's really tempting to pull the chrysalis off of the butterfly because you see mm-hmm. it struggling and you see it trying to break through and the shell's so hard and the butterfly's so, so fragile, but for yeah. anybody who broke the chrysalis off of the butterfly to help it, the butterfly immediately died. And that's because when the butterfly breaks out, it has to beat its wings furiously in order to do that. And that circulates blood throughout its body. The blood goes through oh. the wings and then back into the body and through the wings and back into the body and through the wings. And that gives, oh, the I wings, did not know that. Yeah. That gives the wings enough strength to fly, but it also circulates blood throughout the body of the insect. So if you break the chrysalis mm. open for it, it doesn't develop those skills and it doesn't have any circulation and it dies. So you can't, oh my God. Help. So it, 
it got like all the way to the finish line and died and died like right before. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know what? I'm really glad that you said that because as any good science fiction podcast, we want people to know things like don't break the chrysalis off of a butterfly. Leave it alone. It's These are life skills. Yeah. These are life skills you need to know. And if you have <laughs> kids, which Sharice and I do not, but if you have kids and you grow some butterflies, don't do that. Yeah. Don't <laughs> shake so the jar. Sad. Don't tap it. Leave it alone. You have to leave it alone. Pretend like it's out yeah. in nature and don't touch yeah. it. Yeah. So like that, that's what I was, I appreciated here. This scientific take of the baby would be strong enough to break out if it was ready, but it's immature. However, mm-hmm. it's never going to break out because it's not going to get a chance to mature because the, the parent organism is gone. So we're going to make yeah. a little slice just to help it out a little bit, but that's all it has to find its way out. We can't pull it yeah. out or anything like that. We can't track yeah. it out because of the whole butterfly effect, which is actually a totally different thing, but because of the fact that the butterfly could die, it's like not the butterfly effect. Yeah. It's yeah. The not chrysalis the chrysalis effect. effect chrysalis yeah. effect. So the, the baby is not in fact strong enough like to break out of from the mothers. So they're like, well, this is kind of all we can do. Cause you know, Crusher does use the phasers, a scalpel and she and Worf sort of collab on this and they create a cesarean slice in the mother. And Riker's like, I think junior needs a little bit more help. And Beverly's like, I've done everything I can do, honestly, yeah. because you don't want to risk hitting the baby. Look what happened to the mother. Yeah. We can't slice anymore because the baby might be right underneath the slice or who knows what mm-hmm. we just have to sit and hope that the baby makes it out and the baby does make it out. And everyone's like, yeah. Ah, and Picard's like, that's great. All right. Warp three. Let's get out of here. He's just like, Peace <laughs> out, baby, I'm sure you'll be fine. And then <laughs> immediately the baby like sucks into the enterprise and starts suckling. And Beverly's like, oh no, it's imprinted on us. It, it thinks we're its mother. That's and- Troy. Troy said that. Oh, okay. It's Troy imprinted on us. And yeah. you're like, well, of course you just like killed its mother. And then as soon as it's out, you're like, peace out, baby. I'm sure you can survive <laughs> on your own. Like, no, you still have some more steps to follow here. There's more steps. Now there are different kinds of animals who, who will just give birth and bounce Mm -hmm. or like fish lay eggs and bounce. They just leave. And then the babies are Mm -hmm. hatched and they're like a whole new world, right? They're on their own. They're totally on their own. Right. Yes. But this is not that this is not one of those. And we hope that they would be. So we'd be done with this whole mess. See, (laughs) Seems like it's not this kind. There are other animals <laughs> who will suckle and raise their babies. Um, and then there are some animals who evolutionarily are so shitty at that, that I don't know how we still have these types of animals on the planet. You mean For like example, humans? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, humans are, no, because we take care of our young and raise them. And then oftentimes they live at our house way too long before you get kicked out. But for example, <laughs> um, I did my marine bio degree, but I did a specialization on marine mammalogy. So sea lions for me are like, I love puppies. I'm a dog person. So they're like ocean puppies that they're just totally like puppies mm-hmm. of the ocean. Anyway. So the, the certain local species of sea lions around where we live in Southern California will birth their young wean them for like four days out of the like four months that they're supposed to wean them. And then they just ditch them. So around March or April every year, that's like birthing season. Mm-hmm. Um, we end up finding marine biologists and mammologists will end up like coming across like starved baby sea lions that just mm-hmm. end up washing up on shore and starving to death. And it's so sad. You're like, what the F? Why are you just leaving them like this? Yeah. While other species will be like, you can hang with me for like a whole year, baby. And like, mm-hmm. I'll teach you how to hunt and like find your own food. Mm-hmm. And then we'll hold like a graduation ceremony for you and you'll be on your own. Right. Like, but these, <laughs> these local Southern California sea lions are just, yeah, they're just thrown out, you know, There's they the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, yeah. They're total jerks. And this is, this seems like this space slug is not really that kind. It seems like the weaning 
you know, you're just not born and then you're off on your own mm-hmm. kind. So it attaches to the enterprise. And it's like, are you my mom? And Picard's like, I don't even like kids on my bridge. Right. I, I don't like human don't kids. Like I sure don't like space kids. No kids. Yeah. No kids are my not at all. None. So now they're like, uh, rut row. What do we, what should we do? And they have this idea of like, well, maybe the mother or the, you know, the parent was on their way to some special place where this baby can get food or something. So let's just try to like figure out its course based on when we first saw it and see if we can kind of just follow its course. So they do, mm-hmm. and they find this asteroid belt and data discovers that whatever these asteroids are made out of, it's the same thing that the mother's body was made out of or parts mm-hmm. of mother's body was made out of. So they're like, maybe this is probably a food source. And if that's the case, they've got all the food in the world. Like there's so much food here for this baby. It's yeah. going to be just fine. It doesn't need, it won't need to suckle from us anymore. Um, but then the question is, how do we get the baby to stop suckling all our energy and go mm-hmm. over to the asteroid belt while they're mm-hmm. puzzling this? Three, like the baby, they, they, they do something. They like shock the baby or something. Oh, they open the, no, what they do. They try to open because the, the baby is covering a huge portion of the shuttle bay hatch. So they're like, what if we open up the hatch, decompress it. And like, as it's decompressing, the air goes blowing out to space. It'll, you know, push, it'll kind of poof the baby off the ship, except it does not work. (laughs) It freaks the baby out. The baby loses its crap and starts screaming SOS signs out into space. Yep. And then we yep. see three adult space slugs flying from the asteroid belt. And everybody's like, uh, we got a problem. Uh, <laughs> if one, if one uh, space captain? slug almost killed us in like three minutes, three are definitely going to take us out in like three seconds. Yeah. So well, now so they're like, you do what know we do? if it really comes down to it, you could just zap each of them on minimum power phasers and kill them. But you don't want to do that. Like, it's like, oh no, here they come. I mean, if I guess it gets really bad, we could just kill them super easily, but we don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. Now, me, so this is kind of where our other plot sort of starts to join in mm-hmm. because leading up to this, we have a couple of extreme cringe moments. Mm-hmm. So Leah is inspecting the dilithium crystals and she's like, what the hell happened here? Who did this? And Jordy's like, you remember we had to like realign it. And she's like, remember, why would I remember? Right. So Jordy is kind of letting slip some things that he knows about her. And then they end up kind of going at it a little bit. And Jordy's like, look, can we just be friends? I mean, we're working together for the next few days. Why don't you come over to my place for dinner and we can kind of game plan our next, you know, number of days mm-hmm. agenda. And she's like, maybe. And he's like, I make a great Fungili. And, and Leah's like, I love Fungili. And Jordy's like, is that right? I'm like, Jordy, keep it a, a little bit more subtle, buddy. Cause it's really starting to creep poor Leah out. Yeah. I think she, the, the subtlety I don't even think that any of that was necessary. He should have just come clean in the beginning because he cannot keep straight memories. He forged with the holographic Leah versus meeting the real life Leah. He can't keep them straight. And so he needs to be like, Hey, look, here's what happened. I created this hologram of you and it's apparently nothing like you, but you know, we, we worked on this project together. (laughs) Like, I don't know. He should have just, and I caught some feelings. Yeah. (laughs) Because I mean, he could decide how much of that he wanted to reveal, but the dropping hints about, he knows her favorite food. He knows she likes to read. He did it like, as she's asking, like, why do you know so much about me? Oh, because I've studied you because I admire you. It just comes off really (laughs) creepy and not like not sweet, but creepy. And if he had come clean earlier, then it could have come across as sweet as like, Oh, that's weird. But also explains why, you know, so much, but also explains why you don't know me at all. 
versus being like, yes. oh, you know, I like to read. Oh, you know, this is my favorite. Yes. Oh, how do you know yeah. this? Oh. Yeah. How do you know all these things? So he ends up inviting her to dinner and oh he gosh. starts, he sets this super romantic scene at his room. And Ridiculously I was like, Ridiculously romantic. No. Like, at no, no point Jordan. did he say the word date. He said, hey, let's game plan our strategy this is for the, the next classic, few days. This is the classic. We're on a date. And Leah's like, I thought this was a business meeting. I came in my business dress. He totally I've been wearing framed for it like days. a business meeting. And he just said, and we got to eat, gross. you know? Like to throw in, we got to eat makes me picture Super it's gross. a business meeting and we're having snacks. Not like mm-hmm. it's a date and we might talk about business after we have sex or something. Like what no, is going on? Like I do not like not any clear. of this. This was now, not clear. So when he's setting the mood music and the lighting and all the stuff, I'm like, "Mm, this seems, this seems a bit much regardless. Like even if there was no holodeck character, this is too much. This is like a romantic, she was three months in kind of thing. Listen, even if she was in for a date and she was like, oh, a date sounds great. This is not first date vibes right here. Yes. Yes. This is, this is way too much. First date, go grab a cocktail at a restaurant or whatever. Go to 10 forward. Yeah. Something to drink and get to know each other. This, all of this is too much. This is a lot. It's way too much. So she immediately gets weirded out because her radar is spot on. Yep. And she's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. So she kind (laughs) of tells him very professionally. She's like, I don't think it's really appropriate for me to be here. Um, And she's very nice about it. Mm -hmm. She's like, so why don't we meet up tomorrow at 0800 and we can go over this agenda. And we, you know, she kind of tries to smooth over this awkward moment for Jordy's sake. And Jordy's like, fine, I guess it's like, buddy, she's handing you a a snack. Okay. She's trying to give you a stinking free card. So just, and you are not taking it. Right. And I think this is their first time of us seeing Jordy's quarters also like ever, which is really exciting. So I found a two degree of separation here with Jordy. Because Jordy was arranging a very beautiful vase of irises, which are one of my favorite flowers. They're really, really beautiful, like purple and yellow, like very stunning flowers. And I was kind of looking them up because I was like, is there a specific type? Maybe I could deep dive like these flowers to realize that the word iris comes from the Greek word rainbow. And I was like, Oh, I was great. like, "Hey, that is great." I thought what you were going to do was some kind of connection with Leah because you know how he starts playing Brahms, no. and then he's like, "Oh, that's a little bit too on the nose." I'm sure everybody plays Brahms for Leah Brahms, and it was like, "Yeah, guess what? Guess much, who probably buddy. does? Guess who does? Her husband." Which we find <laughs> out that he she has when they go crawling into the Jeffrey's tubes to inspect the power transfer conduits, and they have this super uncomfortable conversation. And she's like, "I'm just going to be." I like Leah a lot. Mm -hmm. She's about her job. She's here to do some work. Right. And when Jordy's being really weird, she gives him a get out an uncomfortable free card and he still doesn't want to take it. So then she does the thing that I would do, which is like, so we need to have a conversation right now. Um, I feel like, you know, a bunch of things about me that like people maybe shouldn't be knowing, or like, just, you just have sort of this weird level of familiarity. I want you to know, like I'm married. Cause he's like, maybe we can be friends, maybe good friends, maybe good friends with benefits, maybe good <laughs> friends with benefits who get married, maybe good friends with benefits who get married, who also have kids. Like, and she's like, I'm married like happily. Yeah. And then when so, she says it too, she's just like, I thought you knew because you know everything else about me. And he was like, how did I not know that? And he just kind of laughs like, of course you are. Of course. Mm. 
because this is Jordy's love life. This is it. And this is, this is exactly the <laughs> end Jordy. that it would have. So you're Jordy just like, just keeps striking out. He does. He does. <laughs> Poor Jordy. So he then goes to 10 forward to sulk and Guinan's kind of like, I told you so dumbass. <laughs> and she has the nicest great way possible. Yes. She has this great line where she's like, Oh, maybe it's because when you were in the holodeck, you were wearing your other visor. And then he's like other visor Guinan. I only have one visor. What are you talking about? And she's like, Oh, you know, the visor that allows you to see whatever you want to see that one. Mm-hmm. And it was like, <clears throat> and he's like, Oh yep. yeah. And she just yep. says, why don't you, instead of trying to force her into the fantasy that you created her to be, why don't you try to get to know her for who she really is? Which we find out is exactly what happened because even though Jordy's saying, no, it was the computer and they put together the personality and whatever, notice he never asked if she was married. He never had that thought yep. because he wanted her to be single and in love with him and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was definitely oh, absolutely. an old visor. He definitely was. So as this baby situation is escalating with the Enterprise, Leah is like, maybe I could look at some of the modifications that Jordy has made on the ship to see if there's anything we can do to kind of get this baby out of here, you know, and off the ship. And she's looking at a terminal in main engineering and like looking at this list of all the modifications that he's done. Here's a little bit of trivia that I actually found. I didn't spot this, but I did read this on the internet that the last entry that she's looking at, if you look carefully, it says tonight on HBO. <laughs> That's a long <laughs> entry because the writing crew, you know, the set deck crew, they just end up typing a whole bunch of nonsense. Like I have seen close up shots of like um, items that have been bought at on at auction that were like from the original set of TNG. Mm-hmm. And they just say things like, since nobody's actually going to read this, we just decided to write some nonsense, blah, 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 blah. Like that's actually mm-hmm. what it says, like on some of the Elkar's panels. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. So it says tonight on HBO, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny. <laughs> so she runs, she runs into this holographic program and she's like, oh, you know what? I'll just run it on holodeck three. You know, I kind of want to know right. more. And the infant's uh, like, course- okay, bye. And then yeah. we see Jordy like 10 seconds later. She went where? Oh no, yeah. that's a holodeck three. Uh, and it's just like, wait, is that a pro- is that a problem? Is there something wrong? Like, no, not like, at all. I go pew, and you just see like the little smoke trail that his feet leave as he's running to yes. holodeck three. <laughs> yes. Now she, of course, has found the deep dark secret. Every time you look at the engines, Jordy, you're looking at me. Every time you touch the engines, it's me. Jordy runs in and he's like, it's not what you think. Is there any other possible explanation for what this could be? Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to go ahead and say no. <laughs> it's exactly what it looks like. He did say she- you can look through the whole the whole program and see that nothing ever happened. Like look through the whole program. Nothing inappropriate happened the entire time. But she says, which I think is fair. How do I know this is the only program? How do I know this is the only copy of me inside of the mm-hmm. holodeck? So even Fair. if I watch this whole program and it's totally above board and professional, it doesn't mean anything. How do I know you don't have some secret private thing going on? Yes. Sure. One for every day of the week. Yeah. I was like, you are so spot on about this. So then Jordy goes on this crazy rant, which I think does not save him at all. And here's Jordy's reaction to Leah being very understandably upset about what she finds. Ever since you came on board, you've been badgering me and I've taken it. I've shown you courtesy and respect and a hell of a lot of patience. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. I've tried to understand you, 
I've tried to get along with you. And in return, you accused, tried, and convicted me without even bothering to hear my side of it. So I'm guilty, okay? But not of what you think, of something much worse. I'm guilty of reaching out to you, of hoping we could connect. I'm guilty of a terrible crime, doctor. I offered you friendship. So none of this that he has said, by the way, like this to me screams furious backpedaling. And it does not scream apology. <laughs> like, no, I'm which so is sorry what she needs to hear. That this, that I did this. I should have told you in the beginning. I realize how uncomfortable this might make you feel. Um, I, I should have come clean. I didn't do anything. There's no other programs, I promise. But that doesn't really take away from, from what I've done. Something, some kind of owning 100%. It, no. 100%. Because he goes into, it starts turning very nice guy and very incelly, where it's like, I'm sorry, all right? I'm sorry I tried to be nice to you and be your friend. And you haven't been nice to me. And you've been a jerk this whole time. Um, All of those things are true mm-hmm. and have literally nothing to do yep. with this very inappropriate program Yep, that you have. Agreed. Why do you still have this, dude? Get rid of it. Especially if you know the woman's coming aboard. So then Jordy huffs out and Leah does have to realize that I have been a jerk to him this whole time because I had my preconceived notions of who he is and what kind of person he Mm -hmm. is. And Mm -hmm. I have, I have been rude to him from the second I laid eyes on him. Um, So she does kind of own that, but I still feel like he doesn't fully own what he did. I mean, he does at the end kind of be like, ah, sorry, I should have told you, but I, I still want more. (laughs) I want more of like an apology from him about this. You know, you know, what is sexy accountability, Sharice? That's what's sexy. It's hot. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah, take responsibility for your fuck ups and apologize for it and just own it. Just own Mm -hmm. it, Jordy. This is a really, really, really bad look, you know, where like you did something wildly inappropriate. This poor woman walked into this situation, not knowing that, I mean, she said, I feel violated. I've been used. And I was like, yeah, I would absolutely feel the same way. I would 1000% feel the exact same way. So we had this conversation in one of our escape pods when we talked about hollow addiction and stuff like that. And it was, it was in response to the Barclay episode. And Mm -hmm. we have had this conversation in our clubhouse community, sci-fi matters. And I am just, I was just amazed that people, there were people in the room like me, it was kind of like a 50, 50 split. There are people in the room like me who were like, I would be outraged. This is not acceptable. Mm -hmm. And then the other half were just like, who cares? Like, if I don't know about it, I don't really care what people do with, with my likeness or my image, like whatever. And that just to me is like, why don't you care? Everybody should care because I'm so passionate about, about my the privacy of my own likeness and self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wish I was more nonchalant because this would ease my concerns a lot <laughs> about like virtual reality stuff and hologrammy stuff. But like this episode is another one that just pushes my buttons where I'm just like, how dare you? How dare you? This was completely wrong and you should feel really bad. And you need a, there needs to be a lot of apologizing here because it's not cool. Like I'd be just as pissed as her. 100%. Yeah, I, I agree. I would too. And I think that Jordy is using the, like, you've been a dick this entire time you've gotten since you got here as a smokescreen for like evading responsibility for this completely violating program. Like, even if like nothing further went, he caught feelings for this woman because she was, she was 
a likeness of Leah Brahms, but not Leah Brahms. And but it's not like, at all like Leah Brahms. <laughs> not yeah. at all like her. And it's like, dude, what the F? So they got to put their shit aside for a minute because the baby is like suckling all this energy off of the Enterprise. To the, the point where they're on auxiliary only, actually. Yeah. And like life support can start to fail and stuff. So the three big space slugs are approaching. So they're like, okay, okay. What if we sour the milk that the baby like is is taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so by modulating the power frequency, they could make the energy like unpalatable to the baby. So they put their planet to action and the baby unlatches kind of right in the nick of time. And the baby swims off to like, I always think of them as like your aunts and uncles or something. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Like your family, the aunts and uncles and grandparents. And Picard's like, get out of here. Yeah. 1.5. Warp nine. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think they kind of like sneak away because they don't want yeah, their energy trail away. to be like seen again, but um, they tiptoe yes. away and all is well. Yes. They end up tiptoeing away. Everything works out fine. And the end of the episode arrives as we cut to Leah and Jordy having a good laugh about the whole thing. Um, no, <laughs> no, so that's not totally realistic. Mm-mm. However, um, this is TNG. So I, I really like the ending where they're just like, oh, well, you know, we're friends again. And somehow they worked it out. I don't know how we're going to say this Mm-mm. happened in Jordy's office. They had some conversation and it worked it out. <laughs> we just don't see that. It surely can't be because they solved the space baby problem that suddenly they're friends. It's got to be some other stuff happened. Um, and now they're just like, well, you know, I'm sorry. I should have told you about the program. I should have, I shouldn't have been such a jerk to you. We just both had, you know, we both had our own image of one another and we were not willing to challenge it. So all's well that ends well. Cheers. Have a drink. The no, end. no, no, <laughs> I want you to take responsibility for yourself. That and happened this in his office. Up. It was in the office. Where they, when they talked if about I it. didn't see it on the screen, it never <laughs> happened. Take responsibility for your shit and say, I'm sorry I did that. And I could see how this would be really violating to you. And that she could be like, you know, it was. And I think I could probably move past it. And then they could probably like have a laugh about it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, <laughs> I know. And then I fucked the Leah Brahms on that. It's like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and then she throws her whatever drink in his face and storms off. Anyway, that's how, that's how I pictured it happening. But (laughs) I think that it was very, very saccharine ending and they just Mm -hmm. totally blew off this like extremely violating thing that Jordy did. But, Mm -hmm. and by the way, there was like, I feel like this is one of these things that like Picard may need to become aware of. Like Mm. you did what now with this this very inappropriate thing? Like this is a reprimand and this is a conversation that needs to happen. Anyway, my final thoughts on it is, definitely a cringy moment that the like big cringy moment in the episode um but overall like it was a fun one and two weeks from now i'm gonna forget that we did it yeah yeah totally my my final thoughts were i really like this one it wasn't complicated um the storylines were super simple there was no mind controlling virus or anything like that (laughs) it was just very straightforward space baby leah brahms in and out we're done um good clean fun in the end we're all friends so it felt just, no boy. it felt just very TNG. So I liked it. <laughs> it really did. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. Next week we're talking season four, episode 17, Night Terrors. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at 
thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.